hey guys, let's play a game, all right? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to put some people up on the screen, and I want you to match the main character to the sidekick, all right? We're going to play a game here. So let me put some people up on the screen here, all right? Here, here's the deal, all right? So you see all these people, and I want you to try to match them up at home. So I'm going to give you a little, minute to, a little bit to look at the thing. Moms and dads, you might want to talk to your kids about, you know, bring up a character. So we've got Winnie the Pooh and Shrek and Frodo and Andy Griffith. And um, I can't even tell who that guy is. Uh, and then Hans, the guy in the middle. Oh, Dave Letterman. And Han Solo and Mario um, and, oh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Wallace, okay? So we're going to match those up. You guys match them. All right, let's see who uh, we match up with Winnie the Pooh. All right. Ah, Piglet, okay? And let's see who we match with Shrek. We get Donkey. And then who do we match with Frodo? We get Samwise, okay? Who do we match with Andy? We get Barney. All right, who do we match with Dave Letterman? Where is it? Oh, Paul Schaefer up there. Okay. And then who do we match with Han Solo? Chewbacca. All right. And then who do we match up with Mario? This should be easy for all you kids, right? Luigi. <laughs> Even four-year-olds should know that. Okay. Uh, and then who do we match with Sherlock Holmes? We get Dr. Watson. All right. And one more. Who do we match with Wallace? And we got Gromit. All right. Now, the greatest main character and sidekick ever have been in front of you the whole time. Look right in the middle. Who is that? That's right. Batman and Robin. How'd you do? Who won at your house? Did you get them all? Okay, good. I don't remember where I first heard them or who said them, but there is a phrase some words that have lodged in my mind that have profoundly affected the way I see my life and ministry. It's this phrase. If you're not training someone to do your job, you're not doing your job. I don't remember where I first heard that, but when those words, when I first heard them, that, those words hit me like a 10-ton hammer. <laughs> Preacher Andy Stanley said, there's no success without succession. The idea is if you're not preparing someone to follow you, you're failing. I think he overstates it a little bit, but his point is well made. I was thinking about it, and it just it occurred to me, if I get hit by a truck, what happens? If, God forbid, I should get this horrible disease and it takes my life, then what? I mean, naturally, it's going to be a crisis for my family, um, but does it happen? have to be a crisis for the church? If I'm doing my job right, the answer to that question is no. So here's my question. If we take steps to prepare our blood family for something bad happening to us, we buy insurance, we put together a will. If we take steps to prepare for that, doesn't it make sense that we also take steps to prepare our church family for the day that we will inevitably not be around anymore? I think it does. Now listen, I can't train a replacement for my family. I suppose raising sons the right way kind of does that. Raising daughters the right way kind of does that. They'll take care of Debbie when I'm gone. 
but I can faithfully prepare someone to follow me in the church. And, I, and by the way, I don't mean just Chapel Rock. I mean the church, capital C, all of it. <laughs> I can train a sidekick, and so can you. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, I want you to open them to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and pretty much kind of camp out here. There's one other passage I want us to look at, but we're pretty much going to camp out here in 2 Timothy. So open your Bibles up to that. For the last several weeks, we've been in a sermon series called You Need to Hear This. And these are just messages that, that God put on my heart as we, as we kind of ride out this pandemic together. And, and it's just things that I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you. And here's what I think the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you today. Ready? It's our big idea. Every Christian needs to have at least one sidekick that he or she is training to take their place one day. Now, we might be part of the blessed generation that sees the return of Jesus Christ with human eyes. No generation prior to us has yet. And we need to be thinking and planning for the next generation. How are we going to make sure that the church carries on when we're gone? You see, the one thing this pandemic has shown us is that we were way too attached to our model of doing church and that's not surprising i mean we have 500 years of tradition sitting behind that but in just the last seven weeks we have had to make a hard and fast pivot on how to do church and just like you, I'm longing for it to be what we knew before. I can't wait till we're all back together again. But we're not going to be able to do that for a while. And we don't know how long. Now, fortunately, Chapel Rock already had some of the systems in place to be able to do what we're doing today. And I'm very grateful for that. I, I can't even tell you how thankful I am for our team that makes this happen every week. We're hoping to do kind of a behind-the-scenes video where you can see how all this comes together uh, here in the next uh, couple weeks. But I want you to understand the philosophy behind what I'm telling you this morning. Here it is. The model of how we do church can change. It can be whatever it needs to be as long as the mechanism of how we do discipleship remains the same. Let me say that again, because I know some of you are note takers, and even right there in your homes, you might be taking notes. The model of how we do church can change. It can be whatever it needs to be. It's changed a lot over the last 2,000 years. It can be whatever it needs to be, as long as the mechanism of how we do discipleship remains the same. Here's the mechanism. You are responsible to train your own sidekick. You need to train a sidekick. And it doesn't matter, what, if, if we will do that, church, it doesn't matter what happens to our model. We can totally blow it up as long as every Christian is training a sidekick. Now, that raises a couple questions. First of all, why would I need to do that? Why would I need to do that? Well, there are a lot of reasons. Uh, two main ones. <laughs> Here's the first one. Number one is the biblical reason, all right? The first reason you should do this is that the Bible says you should. Period, full stop, the end, all right? That's, that's really all we need. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy, his sidekick, his protege, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who also will be qualified to teach others. Now, did you catch the four layers of sidekickness 
in that verse? Did you see that? All right, guys, I want you to leave that on the screen for a little bit. Kids, moms and dads, families, I want you to look at this and see if you, it's kind of a pop quiz, see if you can figure out the four layers of sidekickness, all right? It gets handed off four times. See if you can do that. Look at the verse again and see if you can find him, okay? All right, did you find him? Okay, so let, let's look. First, we've got Paul. He's the one speaking. His name isn't there, but he's the one speaking. So Paul tells Timothy, he says, the things you've heard me say, all right, so if we really read about Timothy first, then Paul. So it's the things you, Timothy, have heard me, Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses, okay, so everybody heard this, entrust to reliable people who be qualified to teach others. So the four layers are Paul trains Timothy, Timothy trains reliable people, and those reliable people then train others. Four layers of sidekickness in that one verse. The, now the fact that Paul tells Timothy to do this, and by extension us, ought to be enough, right? That should be all the instruction that we need. Because, but then Matthew goes even further. Matthew tells us that this mechanism is is baked right in to the very nature of the way that Christians uh, carry out Jesus' commission to make disciples. Look at this. This is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples, <clears throat> train sidekicks of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The disciples are told, or, or the twelve there, are told to make disciples. Well, what is a disciple? Well, in this passage, it's someone who's been baptized and trained to obey everything Jesus taught. So if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, you need to be baptized and obey everything Jesus taught. That's what a disciple is. All right? <laughs> it's basically... A sidekick, right? There's an initiation, right? They're brought into relationship through baptism. And then there's training. They're trained to become like their teacher. If Church, we should do this. The biblical reason is we should do this because the Bible teaches us that that's the way it's supposed to happen. If nothing else, the very one who died for you on the cross in your place for your sins said that this is how we should do it. That's enough, right? That should be enough. Jesus said to do it. That, that ought to be enough of a reason. But I think there's another one. I think it's the practical reason. And here's the practical reason. None of us are Superman, right? And let's be honest, even if you were, the world is full of kryptonite. None of us are Superman. You, you're, you're, one day you're going to get sick. You're going to not be able to do what, what you've been called by God to do, what you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit to do. Then what? You've got to train a sidekick because you're not Superman. And I can prove that with my own story. When I was a little kid, I never had a nosebleed. And then when I was about nine years old at church, we were playing volleyball. And, and um, I was right in the front row, and <laughs> I decided that, that I was going to be the best volleyball player ever. And I stopped a spike with my face. 
I took a spike right to the face. Instantly, my nose started pouring blood. And ever since I was nine years old, I'm kind of prone to nosebleeds. Now, when I started preaching in my early 20s, I began to wonder, I wonder how long it's going to be before I get a nosebleed right before I'm supposed to step up and preach. Answer, about 10 years. (laughs) Right about the time I turned 30. Um, it was, it was a cold winter morning, and the church I was at at the time had a, had a heating system that worked really good, and it had been on all night, because it was like 20 below or something, it was freezing. So I went into the church, and I went from cold, dry air to warm, somewhat moisture air, and I, I went backstage to blow my nose, and it instantly started pouring blood right before I was supposed to get up and preach. And the church was very gracious, and I preached the first, I don't know, you know, 10, 15 minutes of my sermon talking like this. Can you imagine how hard it is to sound important and theologically correct when you are talking like this? So kids, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say the smartest thing you can think of. Maybe it's something you learned in math class. Maybe it's something you learned in science class. But turn around to your parents, hold your nose, and talk like this and try to sound really smart. Can you do that? That's weird, isn't it? It You sound so silly. See, the practical reason for doing this is that eventually, eventually, something is going to happen to us. And then who's going to carry on after you? Do you know that within 50 years, Within 50 years of Jesus giving his disciples the Great Commission, do you know that all but one of them were dead? All but one of them. And the only one left was exiled on an island off in the Mediterranean Sea by himself. He couldn't preach or teach to people. He was quarantined, John, on the Isle of Patmos. Within 50 years, all the people that Jesus trained, all the apostles at least, were dead. Church, it is vital that we do this. The way that our church carries on is not about a building. It's it's not about a model. It's about a mechanism. It's about one Christian training another to follow Jesus. That's how the church survives everything from persecution to pandemic. That's why you should do this. Now that raises the question, well, how? How do, how do I do that? Right? And the short answer is in stages. Now when I say stages, you need to understand that this process is not the same for everyone. Okay? How many of you have ever put together a big Lego project? Right? Do you ever get a big, big set of Legos? My kids love Legos. This is not like putting together a Lego Millennium Falcon. Right? Where it see, do you see in the picture, off to the guy's right, on the left side of your screen, there's a booklet. <laughs> He's following the instructions in the book to put this thing together. It's not like that. All right? It's more like a hop-on, hop-off bus tour. Let me show you another picture. I took this picture in um, Thessaloniki, Greece, in the summer of 2015 with my arm sticking out a bus, all right? Uh, I went on a mission trip to Albania and we flew into and out of Thessaloniki. Now that modern city is the ancient city of Thessalonia that Paul wrote to in First and Second Thessalonians. So at the end of our mission trip, we had about a day to do some sightseeing in this city that was 2,500 years old. Um, 
And, and we wanted to see as much as we could. The city has about as many people, a little bit more than Indianapolis, but it's spread out in an area the size of Chicago. It wraps around this huge bay um, in the Mediterranean. And so the only way to see a lot of the city is to get on this bus. So you pay 25 bucks, you get on the bus, and you can go to any one of the stops. You can get off, you spend as long as you want there, you see what you want to see, and you go back to the bus stop and you wait for the next bus. You show them your wristband and you're back on and you go on to the next thing. That's what I mean by stages. What I'm going to lay out for you is a pattern, a way of training a sidekick. And you might need to spend longer in one stage than you do in somewhere else. You, somebody might even hop on when you've been on the bus for a while already. There, there are already a ways down the road. You can move a little quicker. It's like that. You just hop on, you hop off wherever you need to, to, to do that, okay? Um, the point is that these stages are not static. They're dynamic. They change and they shift based on people's personality and gifts. Um, the, the point is, this is more of a guideline. All right? I'm giving you a rough outline, a framework for you to fill in on your own. All right? That's what we're doing today. So um, let me show you how these stages work. And, and kids, I think, is it okay with you if I use the greatest uh, main character and sidekick ever to teach this? Let's use Batman and Robin. Okay, let's do this. Let's use Batman and Robin to train this. So stage one is the recruit stage. Stage one is the recruit stage. And the best example is um, Dick Grayson. He's the kid in the middle there, all right, of the Flying Graysons, a little circus kid. If you remember your story about Batman and Robin, Bruce Wayne goes to the circus. He sees this family. They're amazing. They have all these acrobatic moves. They fly through the air, and something happens, and, and they, they fall, and, and they die. And Dick Grayson loses his family just like Bruce Wayne lost his family. And Bruce Wayne kind of adopts him and, and takes him in. He's just a kid. He's a recruit, all right? So in training your sidekick, th this is somebody, the description here is that this is somebody that you see a real lot of potential in. Like, wow, they, they would be, I, I could see a lot in them. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them under my wing and, and kind of teach them what I know. The goal here is initiation. You're trying to bring them in. To, to a discipleship relationship, first and foremost with Jesus, and then secondarily with you, all right? Um, the person can begin to serve alongside you, all right? The method here is that you're a catalyst. You're going to strike the match in their life. You're going to teach them, kind of ignite a fire in them, all right? And, and really the key there is you're inviting them into your experience. You're saying to them, follow me. Follow me. Learn from me. It's the same thing Jesus said to the twelve, all right? So then we move to stage two. Stage two is really the, 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 the sidekick stage. And, and the example there is kind of young Robin, all right? This is from the very first uh, introduction of, of Robin in 1940. This was the cover of the Batman comic book where Robin kind of bursts onto the scene and he is Batman's sidekick. The description of this process is this is somebody who becomes your, your go-to person. This is who you're going to throw the ball to, all right? Uh, you football fans would recognize, you know, when Peyton Manning was the quarterback for the Colts, he threw to Marvin Harrison over and over and over again almost a thousand times for more than 12,000 yards. It's your go-to person. This is the one who's always right there helping you. The goal here is participation, 
You want them to participate in what you're doing. They're able to help you in everything you're doing for the Lord. And, and the method here is you're an encourager for them. You need to fan the flame, all right? You need to train them to imitate you. The key phrase here is, it's your turn. It's, I'm going to do this, now it's your turn. I'm going to do this, now it's your turn. And I've had the privilege of doing that with some people here. Corey Hintz on our staff. You've heard him preach a couple times. He's scheduled to preach again later this year. Um, he's our campus manager. But it, it's, it's, I've worked with Corey. We've read books together. We've talked about this. And there are times I've said to Corey, all right, your turn. You know? And he's not the only one. A guy named Ryan and a guy named Brad. I've done that with in various ministries over the years where you say, it's your turn. All right? You, you train your sidekick. Stage three, then, is really significant. You remember, if you remember, if you know your Batman and Robin, they often called them in the old TV show in the 60s, the dynamic duo. All right? The dynamic duo. And kind of the image we have here is of, of really more of an adult Robin, a grown-up Robin, a mature Robin. This is someone who's a true team member, all right? And their efforts just kind of inter, interlace with yours. It's one of those deals where you could do it or they could do it. <laughs> it, it you know, they get to be really good at, at serving alongside you. You know, you're having conversations with them and it, it becomes a lot less about you training. Like, here's how you do this and it's let's, you do it and let's talk about it, all right? It's uh, I do it and you watch and then you do it and I watch and then you do it and we talk about it. That's what this looks like. It's much more Robin kind of all grown up. The goal here is anticipation. That the person is able to anticipate what you're going to do and say before you even do and say it. They, they know you so well, they've been trained so well that they're able to do that. And just like Batman and Robin, when they're fighting the bad guys, they kind of know what the other one's going to do. And, you know, like Robin is able to throw a guy up in the air and then Batman kicks him, right? That's kind of how this works. The, the method here is that you serve as an equipper. Right? You're just feeding the fire. You're just throwing more fuel on the fire. And the kind of the key phrase is, here, use this. Use this. And, and so as you're training a sidekick, you're training someone to follow you, you're, you're putting resources in their hands. Here, look at this. Here, look at this. You need this. Here, let me get you this book. Okay. The final stage is when you let go. And they're a whole new hero. They're off on their own. And the image here is the hero Nightwing. Now, if you don't know your Batman story, you have no idea who I'm talking about because he's not as well known as Batman and Robin. But this, this picture that you're seeing on the screen right now, this is Dick Grayson, the little circus boy. This is the guy that Batman saw as a recruit and he trained as a sidekick and then he became, you know, a, the dynamic duo and ultimately, Dick Grayson goes off on his own, moves to the city of um, Bloodhaven, and becomes the hero, Nightwing. He's, a, all, he's on his own hero now. He's doing it. Now, th this church is someone who's ready to branch out on their own. They don't need your help anymore. One of my favorite definitions of discipleship is that discipleship says, do this with me until you can do this without me. Jesus told his disciples, when, when you're fully trained, you'll be like your teacher. And so the, ultimately, the goal is you can release someone and they can go serve in whatever way God's calling them to do. And then they find a recruit and you find a new one. And all of a sudden, now we have 
two sets of sidekicks going and two sets of dynamic duos and then two new heroes and then they recruit more people and do you see how this multiplies? It grows exponentially. The method here for you is really more of a life coach. You know, you're just kind of stoking the coals every now and then and the key phrase is, go, man, go, you can do it, go. Church, this is how we survive when we can't meet. You've got to get a vision to train a sidekick. I want to show you a picture. You see this little place, room, shed thing? (laughs) This is Alexander Campbell's study on the grounds of his historic home in Bethany, West Virginia. Alexander Campbell, for those who don't know, Uh, was probably the most famous person west of the Appalachian Mountains in the early 1800s. He was one of the founders of the Christian church. So Chapel Rock Christian Church, that's our tribe. (laughs) We're we're non-denominational, but there is a strong sense of brotherhood and affinity among our churches. And Alexander Campbell was one of the men who helped found that. It's also called the Restoration Movement. See, not only did Alexander Campbell be the most famous man west of the Appalachian Mountains and the co-founder of the Restoration Movement. He also invented the She Shed. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That's, I, just, I think that's neat. He's a pretty cool dude. But I doubt more than 10 of you watching right now have ever seen this place in person. But all of you have been affected by it. All of you. If nothing else, because you're listening to me. You're listening to me. I saw this place as a kid, but I didn't realize the importance of it. I didn't know why it mattered. Then I got a chance to see it again in 2008. I went on a traveling class uh, in seminary where we went and looked at some historically significant places for the restoration movement. And after the rest of the class left, I lingered behind for a moment. I stood in this little octagon-shaped room where there's a lectern and bookshelves and in the back behind where, where I was standing when I took this picture, um, a little wood stove and a desk. And I had kind of a moment because the significance of the preaching and the discipleship that were born in that room came crashing down on me. It literally brought me to my knees and I wept. Thankfully, the rest of the class was gone. I completely was unmanned by this because the ideas and the thoughts and the discipleship that came out of this room changed my family's story forever. Listen, church, our methods are always going to be in flux. They're always going to be changing. There's not much of a map on how to do church in a pandemic. So what do we do? Well, you change the method, but you keep the mechanism the same. And here it is. Every Christian needs to have at least one sidekick that he or she is training to take their place one day. Listen to me, the only way the church persists is when Christians take seriously and personally Jesus' call to make disciples. Church is not about buildings and budgets and putting backsides in pews. 
All right? it, it, it's about one disciple of Jesus training another disciple of Jesus how to follow him. That's how we get through a pandemic. And it doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. You need to do this. This is the mechanism. This is how we carry on, church. The model might shift, but the mechanism can't. How cool is this? You get to be Batman. Who's your Robin? You get to be Moses. Who's your Joshua? You get to be Paul. Who's your Timothy? If you're not training someone to do your job, you're not doing your job. So here's my challenge. If you're a Christian, before this is over, find your Robin. Now you might be saying, well, Casey, that's really hard right now. We can't be, we can't gather. I know. I know. That's why it's so important. It matters even more now. I don't know how much longer we're going to have to do this. Definitely May, probably June, maybe longer. I, I don't know. No matter what's on the other side, though, you need a sidekick. So find one. Call them alongside you. Train them and watch Jesus turn them into a hero. If you're not a Christian, then you cannot yet do what Paul told his sidekick to do and be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Some of you probably feel like you could use a little more strength right now. You could use a little more grace right now. And that's easily remedied. That grace is free for the taking. That strength is yours for the asking. You have to give Jesus your life. You have to leave your old life behind. You have to leave the circus and take up the mantle of a hero. Become Jesus' sidekick and he will turn you into a hero. Will you do that today? If you're ready to follow Jesus, maybe you could type that in the chat. Maybe you're watching and you're like, man, I, I need to give Jesus my life. You can type that in the chat. You can email info at chapelrock.org. We will follow up with you this week. We're going to sing one more song, and I would encourage you as we do that to prayerfully consider God's call on your life. Think about calling a sidekick. Think about becoming Jesus' sidekick. And you respond as God leads you today. Thanks for joining us.